Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we magnify and glorify your precious name. Just wanted to thank you yet again, Lord, for another day that you've given us, Lord God. Thanking you right now, Lord God, that you are God alone, that you are high above all the people, Lord God, and not just in your where you are, but Lord God, in, in who you are. So right now, Lord God, as you Break the bread of life with us. Speak to our hearts. I pray right now for each and every one of us, Lord God, that our hearts are wide open, Lord God. That as your spirit continues to reign in this place as it has all this morning, Lord God, that, that it that allow the spirit to open our hearts that we may be able to receive the bread of life, Lord God. That it may be nourishment to our spirits, our body, and our soul, Lord God. That it may, just as we sung the song, that in your implanted word, as we receive it and as we uh, take it in, Lord God, and let it be the light uh, that illuminates us from the inside, Lord God. Let it change us, Lord God, as we sung the song. Let it rearrange us, oh Lord, that we may never be the same, Lord God. And it's because of your presence. Let us know your presence, Lord God, that it continues to change us, Lord God. That we won't go back. That we can't go back. That's it. That's it. But that in moving forward, Lord God, that we can be the vessel for a time such as this, Lord God, that is fit for your use. I pray this for each and every one of us, Lord God. And in order to be fit for your use, Lord God, we have to die. We have to deny ourselves. This flesh has to die, Lord God. So help us, Lord God, on this journey called life in Christ Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. And all this in agreement, say amen. Amen. Amen and amen. If you will, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we just going to use Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 as the text this morning for a message that God wants to speak to our hearts as uh, you turn your Bibles there. Glory be to God that he's blessed us with another day, first and foremost, that we can come together and glorify his name, that we can praise and worship him, amen, and that more than anything, that we can experience the presence of God, because truly, what the, what the gathering of the saints is all about. If there's a gathering of the saints or a gathering of people and the spirit of the living God is not there, then, uh, or the presence of God is not in full operation, God forbid, because my friends, my friends, where if the, the spirit of the living God or the presence of God is not in the place, then it's to know them. So truly what this is all about is, the, is, is us being able to experience the presence of God. And so i like to uh, start off by saying that because God has blessed us with another opportunity to experience him. Come on, somebody. Hello, hello. are you here with me today? That God has uh, given us another opportunity to experience him. And this is what this is truly all about. And uh, in that, as today is uh, Father's Day, and uh, the day that, that we celebrate uh, all the fathers, glory be to God. Come on, I'm just giving y'all a shout out. Come on, somebody. Hey. Come on, see, Elder, he, he, he understands what I'm talking about. See, he knows the value of being a father in the days that God has given him. Amen. In there, so happy Father's Day. And there is a word that God wants to center around uh, the fathers on today, but the word is for each and every one of us. Amen. So Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is a text verse, and, but we'll be seeing some other ones. The title of the message is A Good Father in God's Eyes. A Good Father in God, God's Eyes. And, and before we take off on this, because while today is, you know, is Father's Day and, and while the, you know, the message, you know, could be kind of geared towards fathers, but let me just uh, bring some clarity first and foremost. 
the Bible, when it says fathers, it speaks of fathers in, in a couple different ways. Uh, one, and, and we don't want to get this confused, uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says, call no man father. Okay? And so, the, when the Bible speaks of fathers, I want to separate this for our understanding. Uh, that verse there is probably one of the few verses, or, or if not the only one, where it refers to father as eternal God. See, because when you look at this in the Hebrew or in the Greek, then you understand that it's not talking about an earthly father. So it's not saying to call no earthly father, father. But what it's called, talking about is called no uh, heavenly father. Don't get that attribution to no earthly man. Come on, somebody. You with me? Amen. So don't refer to no uh, man as father as it pertains to the heavenly father. We know that we have people that do that. Father so-and-so. Father so-and-so. And the Bible says, no, in that reference, you call no man father, God. And that's a reference to the heavenly father. You have, there's the earthly father and the heavenly father. And much of the scriptures that obviously what we're looking at today is not a reference to the heavenly father when it uses the word father. It, so even in uh, what a good father is in God's eyes, this is not talking about a, a reference from God. This is talking about an earthly father. Amen. This is talking about a dad. Okay. That's first and foremost, just for clarity purpose. And then another thing is, is that, uh, uh, that God is leading me to say, just as we start this message, is that every father is not a dad. Or every daddy is not a father. There's fathers that ain't never had a child of their own, but yet they are fathers. And this is what God is going to speak to our hearts today about what a good father in the sight of God is. Amen. So whether you've ever had a child of your own and you fathering some kids or not, glory be to God, then this message speaks to each and every one of us. And finally, just for clarity purposes, there's uh, uh, some scripture in the Bible, and actually one of them we will touch on today, where the, in, that the word father not, uh, don't just refer to the male gender. But the word father actually in the, in the Greek, and there's, there's a couple of them in there. So this is what I'm saying, that the, when you see it, you have to know what the context of what is being said and the actual right meaning of the word father because it has many meanings. God the father, called no man father. And then the, the earthly father, which is a lot of reference to it. And then finally, there's a, a word that's used as father that refers to not the male, but it's referred to parents. It's a reference to, uh, let me explain to you like this. It's, it's a reference to the beginning when God says, in the beginning God created man and he created a, you know, or created man and he created him in his image. Uh, for those of you who have studied that, then you know that when God created man, he, he, the Bible says that he created both male and female at the same time. I know somebody's confused about this, are but that's okay. See, when God created man, he created the gender of male and female at the same time. When he created man, then he made Adam out of the dust of the ground. And then from Adam's rib, then he, he made Eve. But when he created man, he created man, both male and female. And so this reference to father here, one of the ones that we're going to look at is a reference to not just, it's not talking about just the daddy or the man in the house. It's talking about to parents. Glory be to God. So now we got it all straight. Let us look to Romans chapter 12. Because today, a good father in God's eyes, we're going to talk about a twofold. Uh, the, the one, the male father. But for, each, for everyone here, God is trying to feed us because there's a part of this message that is for the parent. Glory be to God. Romans chapter 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, my brother. By, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, sorry if I got y'all confused there. Everybody there? It says, I beseech you there, my brother. 
by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, somebody say that. There's a reason why we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, and that is that you, we, may be, may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, so what this is speaking to and why we don't use this as a text uh, for a good father in God's eyes, it may not seem to fit initially, but what it is is because it speaks to each and every one of us. Our purpose for being here as believers, if you are, have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, and as we said in Sunday school this morning, as, as it pertains to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, a few chapters earlier that says that it takes one believing that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead. He says, you shall be saved. Because for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this salvation that we're talking about, is, is, or God is talking about, is one that is started in the heart. It's one that somebody has believed in their heart. That God is the one that sent his son. That he is the one that has a plan of salvation. That Jesus is the one that he sent in there. So if we believe what God says, then this is where salvation takes place. And see, in this, in this salvation that takes place is that it ain't what you did. If you believe in it, and then it's what God did. And what God did is then he began, he washed you in the blood of the Lamb. He washed you in that which was accepted, that price that was paid, that was acceptable to him, that God did that. See, not, no, not that you, you believed that then you went and bathed in the blood of the Lamb. No, this is what he washed you in, my friend. And as he has washed you in, and see, it's a reason why I'm saying that because much of, uh, if we ain't careful, and this is where on the other side of salvation that many struggle is because we think somehow it's what we've done or what we're responsible for doing. No, it's what the finished blood of Christ Jesus did for God. That is what made this thing work, my friends. And see, and if we really understand that, then what happens is, is what, what boils and wells up on the inside of us is not uh, us to, to, for us to do good deeds or, or do some work that we may prove that we earned it or show God anything. But if we really understand what God worked in Christ Jesus, then and, and, we, and that's what we believe in our heart and we know that he is the one that did this, that he washed us, then what happens is it takes you to a place deep in your soul and in your spirit that wants, that makes you, the reason why we work then is because we want to honor that which we've been given. See, it changes everything. See, and many of us, because, you know, and I don't know the reason why, but many of us, including myself for a very long time, and I know that's why I can say this to you, because I've walked in it for many years. Uh, believing in God, loving God, and all of this, and knowing that I had salvation, but not really understanding that every single day of my life that I was, I was working to try to prove to God that I deserved what he gave me. And I'm just putting it in plain words. These may not be words that you've ever said to yourself. But if you look at, what the, at, at the real reality, then you may come to the real understanding. Because that's what it took for me. It's for me to really allow my, uh, to stand and look in that mirror. And not a mirror that shows me, but a mirror that shows God. So I can see me. And when I looked in the mirror, Mike, that showed God where I was able to see myself, then I could understand that as much as I love God, as much as I believed in him, what I was really trying to do is prove to him that I was worthy of what he gave me. And, 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 and when I looked in the mirror, Mike, what I seen was, Lord, he showed me that you know what's worthy, what makes you worthy of, of what I've given you, it, it ain't got nothing to do with you. But it has all to do with that blood of his son. Come on, somebody. And what it did, it set me free. It set me free from trying to prove to God anything. And, but it gave me, it, it, it allowed me to see what that which was, what this is all about. And the honor of now my compassion 
to, to serve the Lord ain't born out of me proving anything, but it's born out of the fact that I know uh, what, what, how much mercy God showed me. I know that he gave me something that I didn't deserve. It's out of me knowing the truth. Glory be to God. It's out of honor. See, this is, it changes position from trying to prove to, to, it moves you to a position of doing the work to honor God because of what you have. Because of what he's done. And, and, and there's some significance in this because what it does, it sets you free from condemnation. So when you do fall, then you don't have to, uh, see, because that would consume us when we thinking, when, when we thinking of it the other way, I'll tell you what, this is the proof of the pudding, my friend. If you don't understand what I'm saying, then take this test. And it'll show you very clear. See, the proof in the pudding is, is when you fall down and have to get back up, are you condemned about it? Because if you condemned about it, then believe me, even if what you can't see, what you don't want to admit to yourself, then your, much of your work to service the Lord or to serve the Lord is born out of you trying to show him that you deserve it. And see, that's the trick of the enemy because he wants to bind us from that place <laughs> that when we fall down he wants to fill us with condemnation glory be to God I ain't talking about conviction because anytime that we sin we're going to be convicted but I'm talking about that condemnation the one that wears that conviction that wears so hard on you that makes it very difficult for you to, to get back up again you see what I'm saying the one that you see because that, that, that conviction that is so heavy that, that, that's really condemnation is the one that is sent by Satan to lie to you and say that you can't do it, you don't deserve it God ain't going to do nothing for you but see if we knew where we was coming from when he says oh you you, you, know, you ain't nothing, you don't deserve it then you, you would agree with him, I know that I ain't nothing but God is, but Jesus is I, see because I already know that I ain't doing this because I deserve it hallelujah, oh I gotta get back to the message so we talking about a good father right but this is really a serious thing and that lays the foundation so this is what we're talking about and, and, and there's three things today real quick that God wants to points that, uh, that he wants to show us and that which makes a good father one is that a good father is, a, is God's man a good father is God's man. And that's why the text is what it is. What is God's man? I got to share you with this real quick as well. Is because I used to uh, hear a lot and I used to say a lot. That, oh, there's a man of God. That I'm a man of God. I used to proclaim it. Uh, say that of other men. God showed me some a few years ago that, you know, what is a man of God? And this is just for me personally, so don't be, uh, you know, uh, bothered by, you know, if that's how you refer to people as a man of God or a woman of God. Because I did too until he showed me different, but this, that was maybe just for me. But I want to share it with you because what it was is that a man of God, he, God just showed, took me a place so deep in the spirit that he showed me, he says, a man of God is just that, it's a man of God. So a man of God, just as well as today I'm a man of God, then tomorrow I can be a man of something else. Because basically what a man of God did, what he was showing me was a man that chose God. So he says, you are not a man of God. He says, he, he explained to me that I became then God's man. And see, God's man is God's man, not a man of God. So the God's man is God, the, the man that God has chosen. Glory be to God. Come on, somebody. I'm getting happy in this place because today I know that I'm God's man. And see, and to be one, the first attribute of being a good father is God's man. And see, a God's man is not a, it's just what Romans chapter 12 is talking about. It's a one that has come to a, first of all, heard and, and understand that God is calling you to be the father, to be the man. Amen. To be his man, glory be to God. Not the man, but to be his man. And in the call to be God's man, then there's no better place to explain of what, what a, a God's man is than Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And that is one that, that has heard the cry of the Lord that says, I beseech you. See, beseeching means God is 
said, I plead with you. I compel you. I am pleading with you, my friend, for what? That you, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. See, it's one that has heard the voice of God that said that now what I need you to do, I don't need you to give me no more dead sacrifices, no more animal sacrifices. What I need you to do is give me you as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And what does that mean? That means that I need you to pour out, to give yourself away. Glory be to God. We sing the song all the time. I need you to understand what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says, that when, you know, that if, if we were raised with him, those of us that were raised with him, glory be to God, that's you and me, that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. So he's talking about a life that is poured out. So you can see how this don't just apply to the Father, but it, it applies to each and every one of us. But we're going back to you, Father. We're going back to us as fathers. Glory be to God. The women, you can say amen. He's called every one of us to live for the rest of our time. And in, in, in the way that we can, that can help us along this journey is to understand, you know, because we all understand eternity. That's, you know, we, we, we understood that first and foremost and above all things. See, some, and for most of us, that was our motivation to even believe that Jesus is the Son of God is because we didn't want to go to hell. We wanted to spend eternity with God. Amen? And that's all good. Because that is the reality. But what God is saying here is that he needs you to understand that there's a period of time before that becomes, before, uh, before that manifests itself. And that period of time is, is, is from January 20th, 1964. For me, that's when it began. And uh, when it's going to end, I'm not really sure, but I, what I know today is that June 17, 2018, that, that, that I, whatever days that I have left, glory be to God, that I have to yield my life to be a living sacrifice. And what that means is that I've got to give my life over to the Lord, that he can use it for what he wants. Yes. And this is a real challenge to the flesh, my friend. It's impossible in the flesh. So I ain't talking about no flesh stuff. I'm talking about us denying the flesh. Remember Jesus said, if a man would come after me, let him do what? Come on, somebody. Deny himself. We're talking about this flesh dying. Glory be to God. Because it cannot lead us down this path. This is only being led by the spirit of the living God. So it's going to require some de de denial and some dead flesh, my friend. It ain't no if, ands, what's about it. God is saying that I need you to realize that you have only a certain amount of time of your left in your stay here. Somebody say stay here. So I want you to really understand. That you only have a certain amount of time left of your stay here. And the question is, are you going to, uh, how are you going to live it? Are you going to live it for yourself? Or are you going to live it as this living sacrifice, meaning live it for him? See, a good father and a good man, first of all, is a God's man. A good father and a good man then is one that is has taken on the task of living, being a living sacrifice. And see, now from that place, then it's lay, it lays the foundation for then what a God's man is or what a good man or a good father is in the eyes of God. We're talking about the, a good man in the eyes of God. By the way, too, I forgot to tell you this. See, when you're talking about a good father, there's, there's a good father in the eyes of God and there's a good father in the eyes of the world. And while a few of these attributes are the same, because see, a good father uh, 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 in the world is one that definitely is a faithful husband. One that is, will take care of his children. One that is training up his children, you know, in the right way. See, the world even knows that's a good father. And of course we know, as we will see, that, the, the, that that's a good father in the sight of God. But the difference, you know, one of the differences, and the major difference is, is that the good father in the eyes of God, unlike the good father in the eyes of the world, he lives not for himself. He lives his life for the Lord. That's the major difference. The major difference along with that is one that is the, the good father in the sight of God is one that understands the time that he has left of his stay here. 
and realizes that he has to be a living sacrifice. <coughs> to the world, there ain't no sacrifice. To the, the good father in the world, the only sacrifice he makes is for himself and for his own. The good father in the eyes of God is not just for himself and his own. It's for the kingdom. It's for the kingdom of God. So, as we've made a commitment being a good father, then the next thing that goes along with that, when you, in the good father, I'm talking about one that is, did what? Is the living sacrifice. Then the next thing is, is that he becomes then he takes his rightful position in the home as the head of the household. Not the ruler of the household, but the head of the household. And what the head of the household uh, means is, is what the Bible says that, that Jesus is the head of man. And the head of uh, man is, is the woman and the head of Christ is, is God. So the, the, the head of the household only means one thing and one thing only is that, that it means that you are responsible to Jesus. That you are subject to Jesus. He takes his rightful place. The head of the household means that he takes his rightful place and he takes his responsibility to Jesus Christ as Lord to follow him. Come on somebody. So I got news for you. I know that some of us men probably thought that head of household meant a whole bunch of other stuff. But it means one thing and one thing only. And that is you taking your rightful, rightful place. Submitted unto Jesus Christ as your Lord. Come on somebody, say Lord. Lord. If you don't know what Lord means, I'll tell you real quick. Lord means the, the one that you follow. Your master. See, we always known him and wanted him as Savior. That was real easy because we wanted to be with him. And we call it, we say it, Lord and Savior. But we really only recognize him as Savior because how many of us is actually following him right now? See, what makes him Lord, and he has to be Lord before he's Savior. Not after... See, this is where we got it twisted that we wanted to make him Savior and then we said, so this is us making a deal. See, I'm going to make it real plain. Glory be to God. This is good, some good stuff right here. And this is real time stuff because I ain't never said it before, but God is revealing it right now. And he says that what we've done is we want, see, we think that he's Savior and then Lord. That's the deal we want to make with him. But no, the Bible says that he is Lord and then he becomes Savior. See, that's why he says that if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Then what happens? Then you become saved. Then he washes you in the blood of the Lamb. And see, this confession with your mouth ain't just a confession with your mouth. What it really means is a confession with your life. That if you believe in your heart and confess him with your life, that I'm going to live the rest of my days out for you, Lord. Then you will be saved. See, but the way the deal that we try to make with him is, Lord, you save me. And then, yes, I'm going to follow you. Come on, somebody. And this is pretty much how we've understood it, that he saved us. This is why many of us can think or, or, or have the notion that we saved, but then we follow and save for the rest of our days. This is the title, I mean, this is the description of Christianity, in, in, especially in the Western world, the United States, more than anything, that you've got a bunch of people proclaiming uh, Jesus Christ, but they following the world and Satan every single day. No difference. This ought not to be, my friend. And it truly ain't what it is. This is why it takes a confession. And see, in this confession that the, that the Word of God speaks of, and then when you understand the, the culture, the time, and the language, my friend, is that a confession, when you profess something, if I made a deal with you, I'd die for it. It ain't unlike this, the times that we live in now, that we you know, confess some stuff, or, or say some stuff, or commit to some stuff real quick. And just as quick as we commit it to it, we change our mind, or, you know, in a heartbeat, glory be to God.
But uh, uh, so this man becomes the head of the household because he submitted to God, not because he's the ruler of anything. And then number two, he's a, a good husband. Of the father that is good, or the a good father, I'm sorry, in the eyes of or in God's eyes, is a good husband. And one, a good husband, he loves his wife. As the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 23 to 33 talks about that whole thing. Let's go there real quick. Ephesians chapter 5. <coughs> we all familiar with this passage of scripture. <laughs> a good father in the eyes of God is a good husband. He commits himself as he submitted to Christ as the head of his life that he may become the head or the leader in his family that he first becomes a good husband and a good husband first and foremost and above all things is going to love his wife or learn to, to love his life his wife like the Bible describes in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 specifically that Jesus loved the church. It says there, I'll actually back up to verse 24. It says, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Skip that. Verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wife. Just as what? Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And gave himself for it. And so, this ain't nothing that we ain't heard before, but we're talking about from a foundation of a life, a living sacrifice, my friend. See, this may be the new news, which ain't no new news, but this, is, this may be the connection that we never had before because we didn't heard it all the time. You know, as a matter of fact, and, and many of us may even feel that uh, that's exactly what we do. You know, in there. But until it's uh, linked to the foundation of a living sacrifice, meaning and that's God submitted then all you've done was love your wife the way you wanted to or the best way you thought you knew how but this beyond the best that you can do this is about how Christ loved the church this is a duplication my friend so matter of fact no it, it ain't no wonder that we ain't done it because, they, because we couldn't do it God has to do it through us so we have to be at a place that is yielded to the Father, my friends. We have to be at a place that's yielded to, the, to, to God himself in there. Ain't that good news? Yes, yes. And then also with that, he is a, a godly, he's the godly head of the house. See, a good man is the godly head of the house. Meaning again, just what I said, that he submitted to the leading of Christ Jesus himself. Not orchestrating everybody else to to do the right thing and you ain't subject to nothing. No, but no, matter of fact, instructing everybody else to do the right thing and you stuck it, you you subject to your own thing. Because that's really more of the bitch. Come on somebody. Don't fall asleep on me now. Don't fall asleep on me now. I'm serious. If you gotta stand up, stand up because this is serious right now. And God is speaking to each and every one of us. In there. And then thirdly, with a, 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 a good father in the eyes of God, he's a trainer of his children. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, train up a child in the way that they should go and when they get old, they'll never depart from it. Amen? He's a trainer of his children, you know, in there. And in training the children, how do we train our children? You know, going all the way back to the, the, the time of Moses in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. It, it, as a matter of fact, if any of you ever been here for the, the baby dedications that we do, God started this a long time ago with me. That when you do a baby dedication, the, the dedication ain't about the baby, it's about the commitment to the parents to train up the child. And in that commitment to train up the child, Deuteronomy chapter 6 talks about the fact that you, you that you, 
Matter of fact, let's just go there. I ain't gonna, we ain't gonna, you need to see this with your own eyes. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to back up to verse 5 actually because it tells, it commands us. This was the old commandment. For the second greatest commandment under the law. The second greatest commandment under the law says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. This was uh, what he told us. And then guess what he says after that verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk to them when you sit in your house. See, a good father in the eyes of God will teach the fact that we should love God first and foremost. And then he will teach them also when he's sitting in the house the ways of the Lord. So he says that you'll teach them when you are sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, you will teach them when you are laying down and when you are rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be as a front lid uh, between your eyes. They should be the very thing that keeps your eyes wide open. Come on somebody. You shall write them on your doorpost and on your house and on your gates. So in other words, that a, a, a good father in the sight of God, when he, as he trains his children up, he, do, he does it day and night. Day after day, day after day. And the training ain't just the words that he says, but it's the example that he lives. That's why it takes us back to number one, that we have to have a life that is, uh, 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 that we have to be living a life that is a living sacrifice. Now I'm just... I mean, it is what it is, my friends. And I know that we all would like to take the shortcut, you know, and, and live a little bit of life for myself and, and some for, for the Lord and, and think that that's good enough. That's not what a God's man is. And there's a serious challenge in the church right now. I mean, in the, uh, in the body of Christ, I should say even more specifically, that God is calling men to be his man. Yeah. And women to be his women. And parents to be his parents. And so he's calling for a full reformation in the body of Christ. We can no longer live the way we've been living. Yo, being tossed to and fro, fro with every wind. And I ain't talking about a doctrine, I'm talking about other flesh. We've been too caught up in our flesh. And when it moves, then we, then we react to it. And it ain't because we don't know the word, it's because we are just, we, we, we subject to what our flesh is. We won't deny it. And God is saying, that ought not be. It's no more time for that. See, because when you go back to Romans chapter 2, remember, there's a purpose of why we have to die to this flesh. And it ain't got nothing to do with you. It's got all to do with that the perfect will of God may be shown. And see, the perfect will of God is it, not about you. The perfect will of God is, is how he can use you. Because of the reservation that he's made for you and the seal that he's put on your reservation. That for the rest of your stay here, that can I use you for, to, to, to show love and to, to demonstrate my thing that I'm working to save somebody else because the perfect will of God is about salvation for somebody other than us. Or for somebody that, 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 uh, that, that hasn't experienced what we've experienced. They don't have the seal. They don't have the guarantee. Yes. See, and that's why the blood of Christ Jesus is so important in this. And that this ain't about you. Because see, when Jesus spent his blood, he didn't just spend it for you and me. He spent it for the whole world. So that's why the kingdom of God is not about you and me. It's about the, the, those that are lost right now. Yes. See. And this is a serious thing, and you can see how serious it is to God. As he says, I beseech you. He said, I'm pleading with you. You've got to die in this flesh. You've got to stop it. We've got to stop it. We've got to stop letting every, whatever it is. And I know some things are hard.
he just didn't say that if you study, because we've been studying Romans for some time now on Sunday, Sunday school. But if you look earlier at the, you know, or actually a little bit later in chapter 12, it, it, it talks about, you know, the behavior, you know, that God is working in those of us. And one of the things that you'll find interesting in the behavior that God is working in his best, you know, it has nothing, he don't, it has nothing to do with this out, the, what we deal with. You know, it has nothing to do with the, the outward scenes. The stuff that he begins to, to deal with for the living sacrifice, and there's and it's the reason that he don't have to go back and deal with our sins, the stuff that, of the flesh that we deal with, that we fight against. He said, that's why I said, he says mature, because he's trying to get us past what he already has done. He's already perfected us in that. And the perfection ain't, no, it ain't because you're perfect, but because Jesus is perfect. So, and if we really understand, now we're going back to having that real desire to honor perfection that, 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 that he's given us or set before us. Not earn it, because that's where our struggle is. We're trying to earn perfection, but honoring the perfection that's in us, that's set before us. In there, so when he begins to deal with that, which is a living sacrifice, is a... He, 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 he's talking about not lacking in diligence. He's talking about uh, loving the way he wants us to love. He's talking about the, not, not the things that we deal with in the flesh. Amen. You know, how we war against our flesh. He says that we should be already past that. And what he's talking about now is getting us to be obedient to, to obedient vessels. See, now, now he's really talking about being able to use us. Not lagging in spirit. You know, matter of fact, okay, you write back at uh, well, well, let's just take a look at it. Somebody confused, I can see it already. Romans 12. We'll get ready to close right here. Back to Romans 12. Look at verse 9. The start. See, if we understand this living sacrifice that he's pleading with us, you know, you'll notice that he says, you know, when he, in verse 2, he tells us to, be, to not be conformed to the world. That means get off of the flesh. But be transformed. So get your flesh transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because in the purpose of that is that God's will can be done. That, the, that those out there, that he needs to use your life for to bring it to the kingdom that he could be able to do that and that's your reasonable service hallelujah Amen. and he says along with that as you go, go through Romans the, the very next thing that he talks about is that he not only that but he's, he's going to impart the spiritual gifts for you to be able to do it he's going to get because as he's given every man a measure of faith and that measure of faith is really is an indication of the spiritual gifts that he, he's given. And the spiritual gift that he gives is not for you. It's not yours. Right. It's the spiritual gift that he gives is one that he operates in you. Just for clarity. And then he brings us to now how we can now begin to live out this life as a, a, a live sacrifice. Not a dead one, but a live one. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is, what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. See, he ain't talking about being drunk. He ain't talking about going to the club. He ain't talking about this and, and all of the stuff that we battle with. Because Jesus' blood cleansed that. And we beyond that because we're going to honor it because we ain't going to walk in all of the things of the flesh because we know what God did for us, right? Amen. So now he's calling us not to, what not to do, he's telling us now, you, this is what I need you to do. Mature enough to begin to do what I need you to do as a living vessel. So what he's saying then, look at this. He says in verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another and brother love. Honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Here it is. Rejoicing in hope, patience, and tribulation. 
continuing steadfastly in prayer. Wow. What are you saying? Well, let me make it real clear to you. That we rejoice in tribulation. And what does that mean? What it's simply talking about is this. Is that we understand that now this life that we have, that we live in now as a living sacrifice, that it, yo, that it, it's no longer like it used to be. So it, it, that there's going to be tribulation that comes upon the body of Christ. And the funny thing about it is he was explaining this to us. We don't, we so spoiled, we don't have no clue. Because what we think this uh, tribulation is, is us warring against the flesh. Wrong, my friend. In this Western world, see, this is our tribulation, is, is how I'm going to get over the flesh. We've both been past that. The real tribulation is what the, the early church first experienced. The real tribulation is what some uh, Christians is experiencing in Pakistan and some of these third world countries where they are dying because they believe in Jesus. That's what the real tribulation is. That's what they have to be steadfast and continuously in prayer about. Not because of, uh, I'm mad because you said something that I don't like and, and, and now it takes me two years to, to get over this. That's not the tribulation that he's talking about. And, and, and he was speaking to us earlier today that you know, we need to grow up and grow fast. So because we, we're so messed up that we, you know, this is our tribulation, we dealing with monkey business that we can't do, do God's business. For real. And the real tribulation in God was saying that you know what, if, if I just took the church right now in the United States and I moved it over to one of these third world countries, right now, I can guarantee you all of that problems that you had with your brother and sister because the way he looked at you or the, uh, how he said this or, or, or they talked about you or they posted something on Instagram that was uh, false and you know it was false and they know it was false, they did it on purpose, all of that different stuff. Do you think in one of these third world countries, I'm talking about if he moved us right now, all of that would be out the window because what we would be doing is locking arms and praying and being concerned about our lives. It would be monkey business just as it is. It would be to know them. I promise you, if you had a problem with your brother, your sister, your husband, when you, if, if God moved you right in this moment, all of them problems would go away. Because why? Because you got the real problems. Come on, that's good. And that is real. And if we know it is real, then we can take what is real without us having to experience it and make it alive right now because it's real. I was watching last night with my family uh, the, uh, this movie, Apostle Paul, you know, in there. It's a great movie to watch, and not because what, what they tried to depict on that movie is not tell the story of the last two years of exactly what Paul went through and how he did it. But what they are showing is they are depicting a truth. And the truth is that what they are showing is how the church was persecuted and how serious this was. And, and you really can't know by the words that we said. That was beautiful because it painted a picture, my friend, that was real. And in that picture, it showed how every single day these people was living from one moment to the, to the next, concerned about their life. I'm talking about from babies to women to widows to poor people and as well as men. And how they didn't know from one day to the next whether they was going to be alive. Because they were Christians only, not because of nothing else. Not because of their race. They were Greek people living in Rome, but it wasn't because of their race that they had a problem. It was because of their belief. And this is how real this stuff is. And we make everything a big deal because you talk to me this way. Because you, uh, you know, my, she posted something on Instagram and, you know, that's a straight out lie. Yeah. The Bible, we talked about that on Thursday, that these people that do that kind of stuff, they don't sleep. The Proverbs say they don't sleep until they've done something evil. See? So it ain't no secret. This is who they are. But we get tossed by it. And that I'm not to be. So this is the charge for every one of us, my friend. That as well today, 
It's Father's Day and we use it as an example of what a good father is. But a, a good believer, a God's man, a God's woman, is one that life is poured out for him and begin to understand these things. And, and if you don't understand it, then this is what Bible study is for. This is what the, 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 you know, the time that we can spend together in, in, uh, in, in the questions that can be asked. Because truly, and it's real very simple. I, I can sum it up in a nutshell. Or at least the beginning of it. The beginning of all of this is for every one of us to realize that our life don't belong to us. And that we only have a short amount of time here on this earth. And that time, as God has made your reservation in eternity and he sealed it with, for the day of redemption, is what the Bible says, you have a home in heaven. Okay? God has done that. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to let you, you know, we'll see if you're going to have the home. No, he, he assured us of our home by, by the sealing of the Holy Spirit. So we know where we're going. So this short period of time that we have, compared to that eternal period of time that, we, that we're going to, that God says, let me have this little bit of time. That I, and, I, and, the, and the thing about it is, even you giving me this little bit of time, you ain't going to lose nothing, you're going to gain even this time, because this time, that, that how I can use you is going to be better than how you're going to spend it. It's going to be more peace in it than how you're going to spend it. And some of us know that for, for, for real, for real. Because I know the roads that I done came down. And it wasn't all peaceful. So this is the Lord. Cry for each and every one of us. And he said, you've got to understand what this is all about because your flesh cannot continue to trick you. So God's man, God's woman, we the children of the Most High God. Hear what thus says the Lord. He said, we got to come out from among them. Be separate. And this is the separation. It's not uh, telling them you live in a different division. No, what it's talking about is you give your life over to him and you're going to live different. In the division that you're in. So in the same house, neighborhood that you live in, you ain't got to move. You just got to change. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God some praise. Amen. So right now we